Welcome to the Hope Church Memphis podcast. To learn more about hope and our weekend worship opportunities, visit hopechurchmemphis.com. Today's message comes from Senior Associate Pastor Eli Morris. At our Introducing Hope classes, I'll often ask the class, how many of them are from Memphis? And if years, as years have gone by, I've come to realize that more and more of you are transplanted Memphians. And if you've been around here any amount of time, you know I, I just love Memphis. I, I love living in Memphis. I've lived here all my life. And for me, it's just a great place to live. I know that it's not perfect, and I know that some of you would rather live any place in the universe but here, and that's okay. But me, I love it. And you know what it is? It, re it really is the people. It really is the people. Rich folks, poor folks, nice folks, mean folks. Uh, Generous folks, trifling folks. Uh, you know who you are, if you're that. Uh, city folks, country folks. One, one of my favorite things to do, and nobody really does this much anymore, but I love to watch the local news when regular old Memphis people get interviewed. <laughs> right? It is fabulous. It is so unbelievable. Uh, we just got our own way to say things. Uh, when, my, my, when my son, Tommy, was in college, uh, University of Tennessee is a college, right? Is that a college? <laughs> Just kidding. It's a college. Uh, he spent a month in Canada as a uh, ski boat driver at a Christian camp. Not exactly what I'd call suffering for Jesus, but he did it anyway. First day on the lake, Tommy pulls up alongside a small boat with a bunch of kids in it jumping up and down, horsing around. Tommy calls out across the way, hey, sit down. Y'all are fixing to tump that boat over. Y'all fixing tump. They spent the whole month making him say that over and over and over again. The book of James is one of my favorite books in the Bible. And one of my favorite sections in the book is a section we're gonna discuss today. It's a section about wisdom. But, but the real spiritual punchline ends up being about relationships. It's about how we live our lives with people. Here's the passage, James 3, and this is in the New Living Translation. If you're wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you are, are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are, are, are earthly, unspiritual, and, and even demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Let me reread that, that spiritual punchline, last verse. Peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness, planting seeds of peace. I mean, you, you realize we plant seeds all the time. We do. You ever been to a restaurant 
and your server plants seeds that lets you know they really don't care. <laughs> they really don't want to be there. I was in such a situation this past week. But they don't say those words, but they are flinging seeds in every direction. You ever seen a weigh-in for a boxing match? Each fighter stares the other fighter down with a stare that would spoil milk. What are they doing? They're sowing seeds. They're sowing seeds of intimidation. And the seeds we sow, James says, we reap. So James tells us how to sow seeds of peace. How can we sow seeds of peace? Interestingly, James says that we sow seeds of peace through lives of wisdom. Let me say that again. James says that we sow seeds of peace through lives of wisdom, through lives of wisdom. Here, here are the two bottom line truths of this passage. First of all, wisdom is a way of life. Wisdom is a way of life. James 3.13 says, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, his way of life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. Wisdom is a way of life. Wisdom is not intelligence. I know very intelligent people who are far from wise. Conversely, some of the wisest people I know dropped out of college, dropped out of high school. My mom and dad, neither of them graduated from high school. They're very wise people. They have something you can't earn in the university setting. Wisdom is a way of life. The second bottom line truth of this passage is this. The lack of wisdom creates chaos. The lack of wisdom creates chaos, James 3, 14 through 16. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom, quote, does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil practice. Without wisdom, you have chaos. You have anarchy and what James calls disorder and every evil practice. If you know anything about Proverbs and Proverbs, being wise is always contrasted with what? Being a what? A fool. In Proverbs, the writer will, will all, always say, the wise man does this, but the fool does that. And being a fool it's not just about what goes on in somebody's head. Being a fool results in the way you act. It results in foolish behavior. When I, when I was a school teacher, I had to write up students who were misbehaving. And, and it was my first year, so I tried to get real specific and detailed in the, in, the, in the paperwork. Then I found out that the best teacher in the school would usually just write three words in the space provided to describe the behavior. Acting the fool. Covered it. In fact, that's funny. It reminds me of there's a football referee by the name of Ron Cherry who, who's called on a personal foul in a college game years ago, uh, is become famous. He turned on his little mic and he said, Personal foul number 69 offense. He was giving him the business. That's all he had to say. He didn't know it even more. That dude was giving him the business. The lack of wisdom creates all sorts of chaos. So what does wisdom look like in the real world? Let me give you a few practical steps toward wisdom that James mentions in this passage. First is this, 
If I'm wise, I will not obsess over others' stuff. I will not obsess over others' stuff. James says that earthly wisdom, the wrong kind of wisdom, is rooted in what he calls bitter envy in verse 14. So what is envy really? Well, it is looking at other people and wanting to live their lives or looking at other people's belongings and wanting to have their stuff. You ever do that? If you say that you have never envied someone, then I recite to you a verse from 1 Eli chapter one. It says this, liar, liar, pants on fire. Look it up. You know that you envy sometimes. You know you envy sometimes, and that's okay. That's human nature. But when you obsess on it, when you obsess on it, you're just not being wise. And, and let me introduce to you this idea about envy. Do you know what envy is in the spiritual sense? Envy is me telling God that his provision for me is inadequate. That I am not content with his grace. So rather than that attitude of envy, of wanting other stuff, James says, if I'm wise, I will look for ways to give away my stuff. He said that the wisdom that comes from heaven is submissive, full of mercy, good fruit. When Patty and I went to Kenya years ago with Hope, there was a tradition on our Kenya trip that at the end of, of the last work day at the mission, we get back on our vans shoeless. We leave our Nikes or Adidas or Hoka's or Birkenstocks or whatever for the Kenyan friends to have. It began on, on, it began on Hope's first Kenya trip when one of our members didn't just leave his shoes in Kenya, Bill left everything. He got back on the plane with the clothes on his back and the shoes on his feet. Bill exhibited wisdom by giving away his stuff. Here's another. If I am wise, I will not look for mirrors. I will not look for mirrors. Wisdom is not about how good we look, how together we come across. You ever taken a, a, a seat by, by the window in a restaurant on a busy street? You notice how many people look at their reflection in, in the window as they walk by? <laughs> I remember this little noodle shop in New York City where it was really bad, particularly bad. Folks were not only glancing, they were stopping. I, they were stopping, getting up in the window. I had to get up and walk outside, see what was going on. I hadn't noticed when, when I was coming in, but the huge glass windows were mirrors from the outside. And so you might be eating lunch and inches away, a face is putting on their makeup. I mean, it's very disconcerting. What I'm saying, when I say that wise people don't look for mirrors, is that wise people are not self-absorbed. It's not self-absorbed. I, I, I quote this verse all the time, it's from Philippians 2. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. So don't look, look, don't look for mirrors. Rather, if I'm wise, I will look for windows. I will look for windows. Not long ago, one of our staff reminded me of a Christmas Eve around here years ago when we had everything ready to go and then realized that no one had gone out into the cold to light all the little luminaries that were lined up the driveway. You know those little bags you put sand in the bottom and a candle? Well, listen, if you don't light them, they're just bags with a candle and a sand in the bottom. And they don't look like nothing. 
Before we could organize a committee to select a chairman to recruit a luminary lighting team, <laughs> every bag was lit. Never fear, Miller Wilder was here. Miller was probably 19 years old, and he had been here looking for windows of opportunity to serve. We need to be like Miller, right? Look for ways to serve. Be attentive to ways to serve. If I'm wise, I will not create chaos. Do you know people who are always stirring up a mess? They, lo they love drama. They love drama at home, drama at church, drama at work. I know a man who has a reputation for splitting churches. Isn't that a horrible thing to say about somebody? But, but over a period of several years, he, he moved his family's membership to three young churches and he led a split in each one of them. He tried it here. He, he, he created chaos. Proverbs 20 verse three says this. Any fool can start arguments. I, I can stop right there. <laughs> Any fool can start arguments. The wise thing is to stay out of them. Amen to that. So rather than creating chaos, if I'm wise, I will nurture peace. I will nurture peace. Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. So how do you nurture peace? Some people do it naturally. You know who they are. They just, they just bring peace into a room, into a situation. A, a good coach will always keep a couple of players on the squad who will bring peace to the locker room. Now, they, they might not get a lot of playing time, but, but what they're important for is to bring peace to the locker room. Do you ever see the movie uh, Seabiscuit years ago? It was a great movie. Seabiscuit was this very high-strung, kind of chaos-oriented racehorse uh, until his trainer found a very peaceful, composed horse to be a stable mate. And so that, that horse traveled with them all over the country so that that horse would bring peace to the stable. Learn to nurture peace. When our kids were little, we had a trophy made up that had a plaque on it that read uh, Peacemaker Award. Matt, you might want to do this. You got a big family. Peacemaker Award. Any one of our children who we caught trying to nurture peace rather than create chaos got to have the trophy by their bed until we saw a, another child um, making, making peace. And that worked for about a month and a half <laughs> till the trophy went missing. We, we never found it. One of my children was obviously more chaos-oriented uh, at that point. But if I'm wise, if I'm wise, I will not live a lie. It's another one. If I'm wise, I will not live a lie. This is simply being who you say you are. I was with a guy last month who asked me to guess where he went to church. And I made a couple of guesses based purely on where he lived, who his friends were. He nodded and affirmed my guesses, and then he said, you know where I go to church? I don't go to church anywhere. And then he said, here's what I believe about God. Here's what I don't believe about God. Here's what I like about church, and here's what makes me sick about church. You know what? 
Although we don't totally agree about God and about church, he didn't hurt my feelings one bit. Why? He was honest. He was being honest with me. As followers of Jesus Christ, we need to be honest too. James did not like hypocrites. He didn't like them. He said as much in verse 14. He says, but if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Don't be a hypocrite. James disliked hypocrites almost as much as Jesus disliked them. Jesus saved his harshest words for those who live lives, live lies. Jesus encountered, encountered murderers. He encountered thieves. He encountered prostitutes. He encountered adulterers. But his harshest admonitions were to hypocrites. Matthew 23, this is Jesus talking. He says, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. Man, that is, that is cold right there, man. So if I'm wise, I will not live a lie. Rather, if I'm wise, I will reflect the real thing. I'll reflect the real thing. You know, my original wording for this point was, if I'm wise, I will be the real thing. But the real thing is not as, as much about me as it is about the Christ reflected in me. Any, any, any winsome or pure thing that you might happen to see in me is so much more about my Savior than it is about me. I promise. I, tr I trust me. Check out this verse in Colossians. I've always loved this verse. God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. What are these people, what are people seeing when they see you? Are you reflecting your culture? Are you reflecting your family dysfunction? Are you reflecting your, your politics? Or are you reflecting the mystery, Christ in you, the hope of glory? Because see, when we reflect the mystery, the result is peace. When we are wise, peace is the result. And I know that some of you are saying, Eli, I can't sow seeds of peace today. I gotta have peace. I gotta have peace before I can sow it. I'm working, I'm working from an empty bag of seed. Now, if you're saying that today, I got some tremendous news for you. Do you know what some call Jesus? The Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. Jesus says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Because see, friends, left to our own wisdom, we become fools. Our design projects for our lives so often end in chaos and brokenness and emptiness. And all the while, Jesus' words never change. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not my peace I sell to you. Or my peace I make you earn. My peace I give to you. Receive his peace. Receive his peace today. 
Walk in his wisdom. Walk in his wisdom today. Let's pray together. Father God, the world is a crazy place. It's a painful place. It's a chaotic place. It's a place that it's sometimes hard to find peace. But Father, I pray that those of us who know the Prince of Peace might celebrate that every day. And that we might be wise, wise toward that end that we reflect the peace that Jesus gives us so that others in, in our world might see it and that they might believe in you and that they might receive it as well. Father, I thank you. I thank you that you're a wise God because on my own, I'm a fool. Give me your wisdom. Give me your peace. I pray that for my family here as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Hope Church Memphis podcast. I'm Daniel Openeisen, musical worship director. If you were encouraged by today's message, hit subscribe wherever you stream your podcast. To experience previous messages, videos, and our live worship service, visit our YouTube channel and follow us on Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram.